And so based upon that non sequitur, the discussion suddenly changed. Maybe there's a microwave weapon involved without any evidence whatsoever. In most cases, these went away, but a few uh, employees, even years later, uh, have been seriously affected to the point where they've taken early retirement. You see 5G all over, don't you? It's the new wireless network, of course, that everybody's talking about. It stands for, and I know this, but just in case you don't, it stands for fifth generation wireless technology. It's going to make self-driving cars a reality. It's going to do so many other things. You can download HD movies in just a mere second or so. Everything's going to be smart, even the tires on our car. I read about this and I couldn't believe it. Smart tires would actually talk to road sensors who would actually talk to other cars and then they would be involved in, say, predicting traffic patterns. Now, 5G just didn't arrive overnight. Of course, we have to go back in time. 1G, do you remember that? Mm, It hit the scene in 1985. And then we started to go digital, so we switched to 2G. Later on, 3G, we're all super excited about that because then you could finally get email on your phone. And then 4G, Uber, Lyft, streaming videos, and today 5G is just blasting through. And it's one day going to give us autonomous cities and self-driving drones. And it seems like whenever anything new is in technology, we always have conspiracy videos and theories that float around. And with 5G, there's no scarcity of it. Some folks think that 5G actually causes the coronavirus to spread. And these online beliefs are turning to real-life crimes. I don't know if you heard about the cell phone tower attacks of 2020. Well, here, take a listen from Global News. This has fast become a familiar sight. A cellular tower set ablaze. In one week, police responded to seven similar fires, all targeting cell towers. They've since arrested a couple in their 20s and are investigating whether they might have been motivated by a conspiracy theory linking 5G technology to COVID-19. There are a lot of, of, of possible explanations that are being thrown around as to how the 5G piece could be, you know, meshed with the COVID-19 piece, like two puzzle pieces that don't really fit together, but you're trying to smush them together. One of the first to suggest the link was this Belgian doctor back in January in an interview with a local newspaper. Within 24 hours, the paper removed the story. But the spark of the conspiracy had been lit. The weeks that followed saw the claim repeated over and over on social media. And here's the deal. None of the Quebec towers were attacked had 5G capabilities. So you might say, "Mm, I don't know, Kim, maybe it was just a freak accident, an anomaly. No, it also happened in Great Britain and the Netherlands. If you go on YouTube and watch any video on 5G, you are just going to find a ton of folks in the comments section saying that the radio waves from these 5G cell towers are downright dangerous. Heck, whenever I talk about 5G, I get all the people on Twitter tagging me about, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about, Kim Commando. 5G is going to kill us all. So I decided, let's take a deeper look at it. 5G Internet, is it safe or is it not? How did this theory start anyway? What's the evidence? And what about cell phones when we're talking about it? Are they safe? Does holding a phone up to your head actually cause brain tumors? This is going to be a great podcast because I searched far and wide to find an expert who knew all about this. And I'll tell you, he's a scientist. He likes to talk about research. So he's not going to be a comedian. I just want to tell you that's right up front. We're just going to be talking about the facts. So stay right where you are. You don't want to miss a moment of this.
Joining us is Kenneth Foster. He works in the Department of Bioengineering, University of Pennsylvania. He does a whole bunch of research on biomedical engineering. And I'll tell you, Kenneth, in preparation to speaking with you, you sent over some links. And the story about microwaves harming U.S. employees at the embassy in Havana was just fascinating. I mean, it was just something that I I started reading and then I just couldn't stop even till the end, which is so unusual because normally it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. How did this event happen? Well, towards the end of, I think, 2016, um, there were reports of, of strange events uh, among um, employees of the U.S. Embassy in Havana, but also um, uh, consulate employees in, 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 in China, which um, led these people to believe that they were exposed to some serious adverse effect. They developed headaches and vestibular problems and balance problems and so forth. Uh, the government didn't do much about this for six months, but then finally sent this, some of these people to brain injury laboratories at the University of Miami and also the University of Pennsylvania. And these resulted in diagnoses of, of, of low-level brain injury. So the, the people that were working at the embassy, what were they experiencing? What kind of side effects were they having? It, it turns out that um, all sorts of people came out uh, from the embassy who thought they had some kinds of symptoms or other. The embassy basically asked people who had any unusual symptoms to report them. But the people who seemed to be most uh, affected were perhaps half a dozen to a dozen people. And they typically reported that as they entered their homes or in hotel rooms, they would hear um, strange noises, uh, feel pressures, and sometimes if they um, walked away from the door or past the wall, this, these sensations would go away. Then two or three days later, they would um, experience vestibular problems, balance problems, anxiety, all sorts of, of other disquieting symptoms. In most cases, these went away, but a few um, employees, even years later, uh, have been seriously affected to the point where they've taken early retirement from, from, from work. So the thought behind it was that there was some type of microwave that was being sent out that they couldn't hear, but it was affecting their bodies? Well, there is a lot of speculation, even um, in the government. The clue was that these people reported some kind of audible sensation. The first thought that the government had was that this was an acoustic weapon. There are things like called sound cannons, which produce very strong sounds. But then experts said that these couldn't be acoustic weapons. And then people thought for a while and said, ah, oh, it must be microwaves because people hear sounds. And there's a very exotic effect of microwave radiation that sometimes causes people to hear auditory sensations. And so based upon that non sequitur, the discussion suddenly changed. Maybe there's a microwave weapon involved without any evidence whatsoever. Roughly at this time, the U.S. military has been developing extremely high microwave-directed um, energy weapons to shoot down drones. And so, you know, one thing led to another, and all of a sudden the discussion started focusing on microwaves, but again with no evidence whatsoever or even any basic physical plausibility that this was the, the problem. So I assume that, that once we got all these reports of these people that they just weren't feeling well or they lost their balance or whatever it may be, that we did some type of investigation? Yes. Um, 
The Centers for Disease Control um, reviewed the medical records of a lot of these people, as well as other medical records, and they didn't have access to raw medical data or even to the patients, and so they basically just sort of sifted through a lot of, of strange, um, unconnected symptoms, and they thought they found a set of symptoms that characterized the people who were most affected, even though they had no way of identifying exactly what the problem was. Um, two years ago, the um, State Department asked the National Academy of Sciences to have a, an expert panel, which, which they then constituted with some world-famous psychologists, psychiatrists, and doctors, and some engineers who uh, reviewed the data again, and they made their recommendations. The report was just released this past December, and they don't know what the problem is. They suggested that maybe um, the evidence was most consistent with a microwave weapon, but they didn't really provide any strong reason to think that that was the case. And in fact, they cited studies that were basically unrelated to this kind of problem. So they were just grasping at straws too. But the bottom line is we don't know what happened. It looks like something happened to some people, but um, if the government knows what that was, they're not telling us. The only thing that sort of makes me a bit concerned is that there have been reports from other uh, people around the world that they've been uh, subjected to these kinds of, of problems. And these were intelligence, CIA agents, wow. and who seemed to think that they were somehow targeted uh, for whatever reason. Don't uh, we, I mean, don't we have auditory weapons now? I mean, well, there are things like sound cannons. The police will use these to break up riots. Um, there is a um, possibility of a weapon using so-called infrasound, which is at lower frequency than people can hear, which is said to produce the kinds of symptoms that, that these people reported. Uh, I found a news uh, story from a Chinese group which had announced the availability of an infrasound weapon. I, I referred to it in my, in my article. In case you're um, um, your listeners want to look this up. I had a column of this in the, in the website Science-Based Medicine, where I provide all sorts of references. So there's at least the possibility that there's some kind of um, weapon like that may, may have been used. And in fact, it's been known that over the years, the U.S., the U.K., and Russia have spent a fair amount of resources developing these kinds of acoustic weapons. But of course, we have no idea that these were used. My contact in Cuba, who's a very distinguished neurophysiologist, is just adamant that the Cubans would not want to do this to harass uh, embassy employees because they were trying to get the U.S. sanctions rolled back, and there'd be no reason for them to do anything um, yeah. adverse to the employees of the embassy. But if there was some kind of intelligence going on, you know, this calculation may be quite different. Um, if you got a bunch of CIA agents running around doing things that the Cubans didn't want, didn't want done. So we can only speculate that maybe something like this could happen. We don't know the job descriptions of the people who were affected. You know, they, we can pretty much assume they were not clerk typists. Mm. Right? And they probably weren't standard embassy staff, but we don't know. There's a lot we don't um, know about that. There's a lot. Um, yeah. The U.S., the State Department released um, under a Freedom of Information Act request just a few months ago their follow-up report about this incident, and almost the entire timeline was redacted out. So they know what's 
they know a lot more than what they're telling us about this. Well, so it's we can't we can't really assume that there's a microwave weapon, and I'm not even totally convinced there is a weapon at all. You're not. The whole thing may have been just a uh, psychological phenomenon that happens with what mass hysteria. Yeah, something like that. So that, that I mean, that's a suggestion that serious psychologists have proposed for this this the, the sequence of events. So when we start talking about cell phone radiation, it's non-ionizing, correct? Yes. And where do people start thinking that you know, they start getting freaked out about it, that it's going to cause cancer or what have you? Well, let me tell you, I've been involved um, in this field one way or other since 1971. And, and those, those days, people were freaked out about radio frequency energy. Um, and so it's been a longstanding concern at some level among some people. The idea that cell phones are uniquely dangerous arose by accident in, I believe it was 1993, when a man by the name of David Renard went on to the Larry King Show, and he said that his wife um, had used the cell phone extensively, and she developed brain cancer, and he's going to sue the companies. This created an overnight sensation, lots of, of news media coverage, and that by itself launched the whole issue about whether cell phones cause brain cancer. And so now, something like 30 years later, people are still arguing whether there's any connection at all. We're speaking with Kenneth Foster. He's super smart. <laughs> uh, he's with the Department of Bioengineering, University of Pennsylvania. He does a lot of research on this. And we're talking about 5G radiation, Wi-Fi. Uh, is it a threat to our health? We have to take a quick break uh, to say a special thank you to our partners in this podcast because they make all things possible. So stay right where you are. We got a lot more coming up you don't want to miss. Hey, welcome back to Kim Commando Explains. We're talking with Kenneth Foster. He's with the University of Pennsylvania. And we just went through the different types of radiation and that. It goes back to, what, the early 90s when somebody was going to sue the phone companies because his wife had brain tumor. You know, yeah. a friend of mine uh, is really big at John Hopkins in neurosurgery, and he has told me, though, that he has seen an increase in tumors on the right side of people's brains. Um, there have been many, many studies looking at uh, changes in brain cancer incidents around the world. Uh, as well as epidemiology studies, and their results are mixed. Uh, his um, anecdotal evidence doesn't really count for much compared to, you know, massive studies, which generally don't find too much. The number of people who use cell phones has just gone up exponentially since they, they first started being used, I guess, around the late eight, 1980s, and now everybody in the world uses a cell phone, and there's been really not much of a change in the incidence of brain cancer uh, over the years. Now, there are many different kinds of brain cancer and it can be located in many different parts of, of, the, of the head. And so if you want to fish around the data, you can find changes of some mm -hmm. sort um, in some variety of brain cancer, but these are still speculative at this point. But the problem is that brain cancer is quite a, a rare disease. Less than one per 100,000 people per year develop it. And trying to um, uh, identify causal connections between, say, some environmental exposure and development of brain cancer is extremely hard to do if we're looking at sort of barely detectable changes. So I 
would accept the competence of your friend at Johns Hopkins, but I just don't think his personal um, observations are likely to carry sure. too much water. No, do we have different standards here in the United States as far as acceptable levels of radiation versus, say, in European nations? Um, most countries around the world have adopted generally similar exposure limits. Um, there are two major international uh, committees. I'm on one of them that sets exposure limits. In the United States, the uh, Federal Communications Commission sets its own exposure limits, but they pretty much follow major international limits. And so there are small differences here and there, but generically the exposure limits are about the same. And what are, what are those limits? Well, as related to cell phone use, um, they're in terms of the so-called specific absorption rate, which is the amount of energy that you can deposit in tissue. I believe it's 1.6 um, watts. Well, I'm not going to give you numbers, but it, it, it limits the amount of, of power that you can deposit in tissue okay. from a cell phone use against the head. And so a lot of people are now using Bluetooth headsets to, to reduce the amount of radiation. Is that even necessary? I, I keep on being asked this, this question, and my only response is that there's no clear evidence that this has any health benefit, but it doesn't cost anything. If it makes people feel better, sure, why not? <laughs> and it actually makes for greater conversations, too. <laughs> so you don't hear all the background noise that's happening. Well, what do you say to people who think that 5G is spreading coronavirus? I mean, it's so out there. It's so, such a conspiracy theory that uh, it seems like a lot of the uneducated superstars and celebrities seem to be spreading on, on social media. Yeah. Well, let me ask you as journalists, what do you say if I asked you whether Hillary Clinton's molesting children in the basement of a pizza shop? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of question. It's strictly out of QAnon. It's just beyond the pale. The whole idea is just crazy. It just, yeah, it's it's so extreme. Or the one I, I heard that uh, 5G robots are controlling our minds. Oh, yeah, maybe the uh, coronavirus uh, vaccine might be injecting 5G radio waves into a button. No, don't even, it's crazy. It's just not, <laughs> it's just not even worth discussing. Yeah, then the birds, remember that one? The birds died at The Hague, you know, 100 birds, yeah. and 5G is going to control the weather. And, uh, you know, I think maybe people are spreading this because they just don't understand what 5G is. Can, can you do that? Okay, well, first of all, 5G doesn't refer to any specific physical agent. It refers to a set of engineering specifications that let cell phones communicate. Uh, 1G was just analog um, telephone technology. 2G was G um, GSM, then came CDMA. These are just different ways of cutting up the microwave spectrum to um, communicate signals. And so 5G is just the latest iteration of this. It, it, its chief advantage is that it provides a much faster data transmission to um, a user because it gives them a bigger chunk of the radio frequency spectrum in their signals. But it, you're still talking about radio waves. Um, there are three bands that 5G operates in. Two of them are close to or in present cell phone bands, so it's basically just cell phone radiation. Uh, a third band is in the, close to the millimeter wave range, which is somewhat higher in frequency, which has not been used before. But again, this is just cell phone technology using radio waves of the sort that are already present in other technologies. Now, what about what about people who believe that you shouldn't be living near any of the five G towers? Well, people have been living near cell base station towers, you know, at least for twenty years. Um, 
I mean, the basic um, thing that's driving all this is just that there's been this exponential increase in the amount of data that's being transmitted on cell phone networks. It's like doubling every year and a half. And now everybody's grandmother is on Facebook, it seems. <laughs> so if everybody's walking around watching TV on their cell phones, there's going to be more data transmitted, and that's going to require more cell base stations. And that's people can't have it both ways. Either they want to use data on their cell phones big time, or they want to be free of cell towers. So have there ever been any serious impacts of radiation frequency from technology on our bodies? Well, I, first of all, I, I suggest that you don't take selfies standing at the edge of a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cell phones are very dangerous. Um, don't text and drive. That's very dangerous. Um, as far as the effects of the of the signal from cell phones on the body, that's been controversial ever since 1993. Um, there have been, at this point, a couple of thousand studies and, ex- and endless analyses by health agencies, and they basically don't see any clear sign of any kind of problem. But there are enough odds and ends and, and open questions in the literature that they recommend more research. Now, of course, when a scientist recommends more research, it's like a dentist recommending you should brush your teeth more often. You know, it, it comes with the, with the territory. But as far as any clear evidence that there's any kind of adverse problem, you know, at this point, health agencies haven't found it. After all these years of study and without any clear evidence of a problem, I'm somewhat skeptical that anything will be found. But I can't predict the future, and um, who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. I love your analogy that about the dentist and the scientist because when people hear more research needs to be done, they go, "Aha." Yes. See, there is a correlation. There is something. They've found it. They just need to prove it. Yeah, well, there are correlations. Um, There's so many papers in the literature that if you want to go through them and cherry pick them, you can find all sorts of of studies that will make you afraid. But if you try to do a systematic review the way a health agency might, what you find is just a very inconsistent mass of data, some of which suggests some kind of effects occur, some of which don't. Um, but basically it doesn't add up to very much at this point. Uh, the problem is that if there's anything there, it's probably not very strong. And looking for evidence for a, a, a small effect in, in this very complicated kind of exposure situation is really hard to do. Uh, I, from my own point of view, I try to worry from my own perspective about the big things. I don't text when I drive. I don't take <laughs> selfies standing at the edge of a cliff. You know, et cetera. And but, but let me tell you, if I, I drive up the New Jersey Turnpike quite a bit, I see people driving 85 miles an hour Gosh, texting. They are. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, and, and it doesn't make too much sense to tolerate those kinds of risks, but be freaked out about some hypothetical uh, risks from the use of cell phones. So everybody can take a collective sigh that 5G is not going to be destroying our health? Yeah, although the activists will tell you that it's going to end human civilization as we know it. In fact, I know one scientist who's making public statements of that sort. So there's an activist community that's very worried about the future um, hazards of 5G. Um, And to be honest, the number of health effect studies at the millimeter wave band, which is one of the three bands that 5G uses, is pretty limited. On the other hand, this energy doesn't penetrate the skin. 
gets absorbed within the first millimeter of the, of the surface of the body. So the exposure to internal organs is pretty low. So even I would say that more research is needed on possible biological effects of this kind of energy, but but um, it doesn't seem likely that there's going to be any kind of major effects. And, and this energy is just below infrared in um, the frequency. And if you go in your bathroom and stand under a heat lamp, you're exposing yourself to far more infrared, infrared radiation than is ever possible near a, a millimeter wave base station. So, you know, you know it just doesn't to my mind, make too much sense that there should be a problem, but since everybody in the world is going to be exposed to this energy in the near future, it certainly sure. makes sense to, to look for it. Well, Kenneth, thank you so much for setting the record straight. I really appreciate this. Well, thank you. I, I've been following your work, actually. Um, you've got an amazing journalist. Thank you so much, Kenneth, for joining us, and keep us up to date on all your research, but I'm so glad to have you here. Okay, stay right where you are because I have some additional thoughts about 5G, cell phones, cancer that you don't want to miss. So stay right where you are. So 5G is 20 times faster than 4G. It's totally going to change the way that we use the Internet. But it's a lot more than that. It's not just this upgrade. There are some things that are happening behind the scenes. Like a few years ago, if you wanted to connect, say, 10 devices to the Internet, you needed a router. Well, companies with thousands of terminals dropped big money on networking technology. But 5G is changing the game. You don't need a router. And its cell towers can handle up to a million devices, all in a single square kilometer. So companies are going to save some serious money by switching to 5G. And that's just one reason why the telecommunications company are scrambling to roll these networks out immediately. So you may be sitting there thinking, sounds great, Kim Commando, but I don't own a business. How does this affect me? Yeah, you can be selfish. I get it. 5G phones will make the Internet on your phone more reliable than ever. Think about that. No more, hey, can you hear me now? Did you lose me? Another dropped call. You know what I'm talking about. Speed is not going to be a problem. These 5G devices in your home, they're probably going to fix themselves and also update themselves. Smart sensors in your fridge, for example, are going to guide you through troubleshooting issues, say, replacing a filter. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but Mr. Foster, the who we were talking to from the University of Pennsylvania, he used the year 1993 a few times in that podcast. Now, you may have noticed that during this podcast, Mr. Foster from the University of Pennsylvania, he mentioned Larry King. So we went searching on the internet. Well, we went over to YouTube. We found a lot of interviews with Larry King. But we found this one in particular where Larry King's guests, they talk about the dangers of cell phones. Now, remember, this is 1993. Gosh, I can't even remember what I was doing in 1993. Can you? Anyway, take a listen. So what would you say to people who use cell phones? I think the most important thing is that when we look at any type of radiation exposure, whether or not it's radio waves or, um, or gamma uh, waves, is that you, the duration of your exposure. So clearly, um, if you're on the cell phone for a long period of time, I think we all have been uh, in situations where our ear gets warm. So, so it's brain, a, what choice of cancer do I want, hip well, uh, or brain? Well, surprisingly, the concern about radio uh, frequency exposure is not so much for the brain or the uh, hip, 
but really either the testes or the eyes. Those are the areas that are most sensitive to radio frequency because they get hot so, and they don't have the blood vessels to cool off. Would you say, Dr. Davis, therefore, always use an earpiece? I think that the, the key thing here, Larry, is that we would assume as a society that cell phones are safe, that the government wouldn't allow us to use this device unless it was safe. The reality is it's a source of microwave radiation. There have been studies to suggest that there may be an associated risk of uh, brain cancer and also a benign tumor of the ear, and there have been some studies to suggest eye tumors as well. So this is a podcast that you should really share with your family members and friends, especially if you have anybody in your realm that's like, oh, 5G is going to kill us all, because it's hard to dispute scientific research. And speaking of podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts, whether you subscribe or follow, I know, subscribe on Google, follow on Apple, is that hit that big old button. Because any time that there's a brand new Kim Commando Explains that gets released, you're automatically notified. You get it before everybody else. So go ahead and hit that button and make me smile because I know you just love this podcast. So what that means is that I'd like you to give us a great five-star review And you can say a couple of nice words like, oh, Kim Commando's the best. I love Kim Commando. She's such a great gal. You know, something that would make my mother proud. Think of it that way. And thank you for tuning in. And thanks again to Kenneth Foster for coming on the podcast. And also a shout out to Mike James, Danielle Howard, Serena O'Sullivan, because, hey, there's no I in teamwork. I'm Kim Commando, and thanks for being here.